All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Say Wine. I'm so, 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 so excited. I realize I'm excited all the time, but <laughs> I'm actually excited for this one because this is a very interesting topic we're discussing this week. It's gene editing. I don't think this is something a lot of people think about. So I thought it'd be interesting to just talk about this with a dear friend of mine and someone that I feel like the circumstances in which we met are so random. Like both of us just packed our bags and moved to China. So <laughs> that's very random. And I feel like this is such a gentle and beautiful soul. So I thought it'd be good to have him on this episode. Samuel, 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 Samuel say hi to everyone. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> By the way, uh, Sam is a very calm and gentle person, as you can tell from his general demeanor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam, so just to give a bit of backstory, right? Sam and I met in China, we're in the college together. And when I actually started the podcast, the first mic I used was actually Sam's. Like, I got it off him. So <laughs> he's like the founding father of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> well i was borrowing uh, to be fair i was borrowing the mic from from the program so i would i would defer to steve schwartzman as as one of the <laughs> wait sam what are you drinking what are you drinking i have this beautiful um, i have this beautiful cabernet sauvignon what do you have i have this um it's an agave wine mixture i actually don't know anything about it but it's um it's something that i could pick up at the store but it's meant to taste like margaritas um and so it's some some mixture of these sweet wines to taste like margaritas but you know actually one realization that i had when i was picking this up is how irritating it is that i couldn't actually get the fixings for margaritas at our grocery store um like oh, wait, so I, I'm you not sure. Make one? Well, I couldn't get tequila. Oh, tequila wow. in in my state, you actually have to go to a liquor store um, oh, wow. to get tequila or any hard alcohol. And what made me really furious about this is when I was uh, I went to the the like the sporting goods store next next to my house a few days ago yeah. to get I don't know some like camping equipment, and you could buy guns there. Like there were just people <laughs> checking out and getting guns. So like it, it's easier for you to go to the sporting goods store and accidentally check out with guns than it is for you to get tequila at at a grocery store. And that I don't know, I, that just really infuriated yeah. me. I'm a little bit worried. Maybe I drank too much before this, actually. So that's um, good. That's what we look. If for. I go that's on a tangent, for. just no, 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 no. This is highly encouraged. I encourage this behavior. I think what I'm also going to do is I'm going to try and get a bunch of other people as well, other Americans, and I'll get you as well. We should do an episode on guns because I just I'm so fascinated oh, yeah. with like guns in the U.S. But we will not go down that road today. It's ridiculous. Will, yeah, you, 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 you should. That. You should. I want yeah. that. Yeah, I want that. Okay, wait, what have you been up to since China? Like, what have you been doing? Tell me everything. Um, <laughs> I have been living with my mom, um, doing a lot of, uh, well, yeah, I mean, the first five months we had just some, some more of our college, our, our graduate classes, and I was finishing those up. Um, but just trying to find ways to stay sane, I guess. Um, at the moment, I'm unemployed and kind of looking for work, but Fortunately, I'm not in a position where I'm too worried about not being able to make ends meet. So I'm um, actually just trying to spend this time doing some reading and researching on things that really interest me. So, um, and, you know, trying to navigate this horrendous job market and hopefully something will work out. But yeah. it, actually, it's really interesting. There are a lot of jobs opening up that are like fully remote. 
Yeah, and, yeah, um, I forgot about this. Man, the, the work landscape is going to be so different from how it was before this. Um, I agree. And I, I'm curious what uh, what remote work, I mean, I'm, I'm actually imagining that might be what I will be doing next. I'm curious what that will look like. And so many people are going to be doing that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Like I see, I also see quite a few jobs advertised on LinkedIn and it's like, you know, completely remote. And I'm like, oh, what does that mean for like office space and everything? But I mean, right. we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm eager for this future where everything is just like remote and I get to stay at home and never have to wear non-pajamas clothing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's encouraging. All right, cool, cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Amazing. So let's dive in, right? Um, so I thought like we discussed this, right? We wanted to talk about gene editing. And I actually, I have to admit, I had to go look up gene editing. Like, I, I, like, you hear about it in the news. You hear things like, oh, some, some lamb was cloned or whatever. And it's like, I've never actually paid attention to it. And I thought what would be good is just to actually have a conversation. And I think a lot of people would be thinking, well, why should I care about this? And I, I you know, I, I just feel like, again, the world is changing at such breakneck speed. And it's like anything that could potentially alter like human behavior or human like DNA, it's like something we should mm -hmm. pay attention to. So, I mean, if you don't mind me asking this, right? So to, to the best of like your understanding, what is, what is gene editing and why should we care? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think I'll preface this by saying that um, I, uh, one thing that worries me is, well, one thing that I really care about is scientific literacy. And um, I, I worry that like a topic like this to most people is just really outside of their bounds or, their, or really their attention span. Um, and something that I think that scientists and researchers in general need to figure out how to make these topics more approachable. Um, so in that spirit, what, what I'm going to try to do um, and I'm not, by, by the way, I, I mentioned this before we started recording, but I should say I'm not by no means an expert. Um, I studied biochemistry and biophysics in my undergrad, but it's been a few years since then. And I, I just kind of yeah. engage with these topics um, in my own free time. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But, but, but I guess to, to really succinctly put gene editing, um, it's the ability to add or delete or modify a gene um, within a chromosome, within an organism, um, to some sort of level of accuracy or precision. And the reason that we should care about it is that in the last, uh, well, actually, really in the last five years, it's gotten to the point with, with certain new bio, biotech tools that we can edit genes with such more, uh, such greater fidelity and accuracy and speed um, than ever before. And the, with that, the costs have dropped. People are more willing to conduct experiments. And there have been some hazardous experiments in the last few years that have been widely condoned by the research community. Um, and then there are all sorts of issues when it comes to uh, whether or not you should be able to conduct gene editing on, uh, on fetuses or unborn children. And, and um, yeah, I imagine we'll get into that. I mean, that's, I, I think you're completely right. Like when you mentioned about scientific literacy, because I feel like in a lot of cases, like people just don't know enough to even know what they should know. I don't know if that makes sense. Like if I don't even mm -hmm. know the basics, how can I begin mm -hmm. to know anything or understand anything about gene editing, right? Um, so I think I completely agree with you. And I, I'm just desperate. And I, I say this every opportunity I get, like I'm desperate for a world where people are actively educating themselves on everything. Like 
I'm, I'm eager right. to see us. Like, I mean, I don't expect everyone to be an expert on everything, but I'm ready for a world where people understand the basics of certain things. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I think if I just sort of uh, push you on this, right? Um, yeah. Why should we, and I, I think it's very good just for the sake of the audience, right? I'm not an expert. Sam's not an expert. We're just people who are very interested or at least very keen to understand this topic, right? Um, I, let, let me push you on this. Why do you actually think we should care about this particular topic? Yeah, there are, um, there are, I think we're going to start to see gene editing become a part of our lives in, in a few different facets. Um, first, I think that there are a whole bunch of really benevolent uh, applications that we should start thinking about doing, kind of no questions asked. So this could apply to people who are, I mean, especially if you have people who are already adults that know that they are predisposed or already suffering from some sort of disease um, that uh, is chronic. Um, and particularly something that, that is physically disabling. Um, th- those types of diseases are things that are already substantial targets for gene editing. Um, and I think that there are already people who are, uh, there are a lot of clinical trials being done right now to figure out um, what are the most viable methods to treat these? So Parkinson's disease, uh, for example, congestive heart failure, cystic fibrosis, these are all um, potential treatments uh, and current, current pr- uh, prospective treatments um, for gene editing. So those are great applications, but there are also a whole yeah. bunch of potentially hazardous applications. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess it, it's hard to figure out hard to determine briefly, succinctly, where you think, like, what hazardous is or what, what level of risk you'd like to take. Yeah. With any sort of gene editing, there is some amount of risk. Yeah. Um, what's been great in the last few years is that that, that level of risk has drastically, um, by orders of magnitude, decreased. Um, but then you, you really have to decide what are, the, what are the applications that we'd want to use this. So if someone has you know, if, if you're able to pre-screen your sperm and egg and you notice something, you know, you notice they're predisposed towards some sort of intellectual, um, intellectual, I, I don't, I not necessarily would want to use the word disability, but um, so, something that some people would consider an impairment. So something along the lines, uh, something on the autism spectrum. Some people might be inclined to use gene editing. Mm, yeah. um, but it could also be, you know, it could be something, you know, someone might see that some gene pre, uh, predisposes their, their child to being short or to having, you know, it, it yeah. really just depends how long you want to, how far you want to go with this. You know, someone might say, oh, that's not the kind of eye color I want. Um, those aren't the real like high risk scenarios, but um, you could foresee a future in which people yeah. are trying to change different aspects of their, of their future child. Yeah. I think I, I completely see that, right? So I, I, I mean, I've been trying to read up on this and just understand the general like topic, the general idea. And I think a lot of people, the reason why I personally think people should care is like as human beings, right? This has the potential to alter how we live, right? Mm-hmm. On one hand, it could be a tool for extreme good. And on the yeah. other hand, you know, it could be a tool for extreme bad, right? Like I've been trying to read research papers that, you know, I'm, I've been trying to read research papers I've been trying to read research papers on either side of the spectrum. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I think 
a lot of people argue, look, this could be a way to prevent disease. You know, this could be a way to, especially with the way the world is going with pandemics and things like that, right? It could be on one hand used to save the human race. And on the other hand, you know, some person could use it as a tool to make sure, for example, no short kids are ever born or, you know, something like right. basically the argument has been that in a lot of ways, you know, it allows people, the, the argument for why it's bad is that it allows people sometimes pay God, right? And I think mm -hmm. this kind of leads me to what we talked about. I think we talked about this before we recorded this episode was about, I, I was mentioning how, you know, a lot of people I speak to about gene editing, or at least some of most of the papers I've read, talk about how religious people are opposed to, mm -hmm. are opposed to gene editing, right? Like they see it as people trying to play God um, and people trying to select, for example, the kind of kids they have, the kinds of um, uh, behaviors and kinds of like patterns uh, um, in human behavior, right? Um, so mm -hmm. I, I found that very interesting. And I think personally, I think that's why people should care. I feel like in a world where, you know, you don't know where the next pandemic is coming from. You don't know where the next <laughs> extinction level threat is coming from. It's right. like gene editing could be that thing that either saves or causes it. So I, I, I just find that very interesting. Um, right. To the best of your knowledge, and again, you know, I keep, I feel like we should emphasize the fact that we're not like experts or anything, right? We're just people, two people very interested. <laughs> we're just two people very interested in this topic. But I mean, how do you see the technology evolving? Like whether, if you, if you look at where the technology is now for gene editing and you think of where you think it'll be in 20 years, what do you think is going to happen? Um, well, I just see it becoming more and more uh, inexpensive and more and more readily available. Um, and I think that really sooner than we know it, we're going to be butting up against these questions of how we should be using it. Um, and just as an example, uh, there was actually just, just last year, or maybe it was 2018, there was one, one doctor in China, um, Dr. He Jian Kui. I, I don't actually know the intonation on his, um, on his name, but he, he, he clandestinely um, performed some gene editing on uh, a father donor's sperm um, on, on in IVF babies, in vitro oh, fertilization wow. babies. Um, and what he did was he, so, so in, in this scenario, there was a, a mother who was HIV negative and a father who was HIV positive. And actually it's very uncommon for an HIV positive father to pass on HIV to his children. Okay. Um, but in, in this case, the, in order to really minimize this risk, <clears throat> what the doctors did was he knocked out one gene called uh, CCR5. And what this one gene does, or uh, what it does is it makes, or I, sorry, not what that gene does, but what this edit that he performed does uh, is make someone much less predisposed to have HIV. So by doing this, he made the children much less likely to have wow. HIV. Wow. Um, so those children were born, and he actually kept this a secret from the general public until the children were born. So, you know, nine, nine months later, these children were born, and right after they were born on YouTube, he published a video uh, sharing to the world that he had conducted the first known case of um, IVF gene editing. And through this procedure, he had potentially saved these children from having HIV. Um, and that so. Insane. Yeah, you, you can imagine a lot of people were looking at this and thinking, wow, that's great. You know, maybe that's something I could do if I'm an HIV positive parent. 
Um, but just a few months later, there was a study that was published in Nature um, that said they had done a, a, a study of all of these people that had the same gene edit that he had conducted, that, that he had performed. Um, and of all those people that had that same uh, edit performed, or not edit, actually it was, it was for all these people in nature, which was about, I think, 100 million people, all of these people in nature yeah. that have this one uh, gene edit naturally, yeah. they actually live substantially shorter lifespans. Oh, God. 20% shorter lifespans, right. So what he might have done by doing this procedure, even if he had prevented them from having HIV, is that he might have shortened their lifespans by 20%. Oh my God. Um, I think it's important to note that actually a few months later, Nature published another article saying that article might have been flawed. There were some issues with the, with the methodology of that survey, but even if yeah. it was flawed, um, I think that that case highlights a risk that, that is, is actually um, really under discussed in this issue. And that's that even if we can conduct gene um, additions or subtractions, deletions, edits, very precisely, we don't actually know the the cascading effect of one gene edit, um, yeah. and it's entirely possible that even if we're able to change, you know, one one aspect of someone's uh, physical appearance or or, or um, physical attributes or mental attribute, um, there might be a whole bunch of unintended consequences, and that's the real risk that we have right now. And it's it's going to take a lot of computing power to really understand the the numerous you know uh, unpredictable impacts of all of these genes um, wow. so that's the way i can't even remember what the question was now, <laughs> but, um, now i was asking how you think the technology will evolve like from where right to now i think you right. pretty much answered that uh in terms of like so i mean as part of like the research for this episode i actually went online and i did one of my favorite things which is check if john oliver has ever spoken on this topic mm. and as luck and fate will have it like i love john oliver to the end of the world um so he, he, John Oliver actually did an episode on gene editing where he talks about like CRISPR technology. Uh, for those mm -hmm. of you who don't know what CRISPR is, like CRISPR allows for very precise gene editing. So for example, let's say, you know, you, you, scientists examine the gene of a fetus or a child or whatever, and they find, okay, some kind of genetic defect, they can actually sort of cut out where that defect is, right? So it's sort of looking, looking at a looking at a looking at a person or looking at someone's genes and being able to say, okay, look, this might be a problem and taking it out. Well, I'm explaining this in the most rudimentary way I can think of. But the idea of this technology is that, you know, if you see something that could potentially be a problem in a person, right, you actually take it out. Right, I thought that was very interesting. But then John Oliver goes on to talk about the fact that it, it may not necessarily be something that is as advanced as we think, right? So for example, mm -hmm. if you think of the movie Rampage with Dwayne Johnson, where some <laughs> guy used gene editing to turn a wolf to be like 30 feet, right? I mean, that's great in a film, but the point he was making was that the, the actual technology that exists hasn't come that far. Like it's not as far as, you know, being able to clone a 30 foot wolf, basically. So mm -hmm. I thought that was very interesting. I think for a lot of us, like we think, we think, um, when we think of where technology is in comparison to reality, we often think in terms of Hollywood, <laughs> whereas like the technology is not necessarily where we think uh, it could be because John Oliver was basically trying to point out that, look, it's very difficult um, and the technology is not as advanced, but the way the technology is progressing, you know, 20, 30 years from now, um, it's either going to cure every disease or it's going to kill every one of us. John Oliver's right. actual words. So I, th I thought that was very, 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 very interesting. And I just, 
I think what, what I quite like about everything I've read is the fact that if we can do this right, so I mean, by we, I mean scientists and, you know, other people who are more intelligent than I am, <laughs> if they can do this right, then, you know, it can really give us like, so I, I, like I'm from Nigeria, right? And, and, and you know, Nigeria is in sub-Saharan Africa. And one of the biggest diseases killing people in this region is actually malaria, right? And there was a study, there's a study that's been published, I think Time Magazine referenced this, was how, you know, there's potential for something like gene editing to make people like resistant or I don't know what the correct terminology is, but basically mm. gene editing could be the reason why malaria goes extinct or, you know, is wiped out or is eradicated. Right. And I, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm here for technology that allows that. Right. <laughs> but at right. the same time, my concern then becomes, okay, yes, the technology advances, but then who, what are the regulations in place? Right. Because I think that's something we've seen in, in the world today where technology just grows at breakneck speed, but the regulation, the management, the policy around it, doesn't right. move at the same pace. And that's right. something I'm very worried about. And, you know, historically, I'm not, I mean, even though I kind of grew up religious, I never want to align myself with people who hold strictly religious views. But I think if I, when I, when I look at some of the religious concerns around gene editing, I understand, I understand them, right? Because if, for example, there's some gene that makes people way more intelligent than others, you know, and mm-hmm. then every parent wants that in their child, right? Are we creating mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, super breed of children? Like, who, who, <laughs> what does that mean around, like, basically, you know, creating, um, like, creating some new, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can create a new race. I don't know what technology will allow for, but uh, what, what is that? What, like, what, what kind of world are we creating if we're just suddenly allowing people to decide, oh, I don't want this gene, I don't want that, what, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think this kind of leads to what will probably be, yeah, one of, one of the last few questions I have is, I mean, what do you think about people who have, like, religious objections and concerns? I'll, I'll, I'll start by answering this, right? I think for those who do have religious objections and concerns, I think some of those concerns are valid right um to the extent that your concern is you don't want people like look look at this scientist for example right let's say he could Mm -hmm. prevent someone getting hiv but now he's Mm -hmm. potentially made their lives shorter right or let's Mm -hmm. say in some cases you can help uh eradicate malaria but now you know i don't know everybody has to have some kind of other defect or something else right so how do we control for these kinds of things, right? Like I, I, I do, if that is your religious concern or objection, then I, I respect that and I appreciate that. Um, I do have issues because I read some religious articles that are basically like, stop doing this research. No, stop it completely. Mm. You're playing God. I, I'm against that argument because I think the science exists to be explored, right? I, I would never mm. want to be the person telling scientists, don't do that, right? I'm all for, let us explore and understand and regulate properly as opposed to mm-hmm. stop this research you're playing god you know just let it go so what, what do you think about that um i think I, I would be really interested to hear really um what the religious objections are in particular i mean i, I imagine there's some sort of you, you they'd have to have some sort of scripture uh scripture backbone to them um, and I'm not sure what that is. I, I wish I had looked that up beforehand. Um, I mean, I, I imagine that a lot of the objections would have to do with humans being in God's image um, or, you know, in the case of, of, of editing genomes um, pre, pre-gestation, so before, um, before they've been, uh, while they're in the uterus, um, there might be an objection to 
uh, I know there's a lot of scripture about um, the, I don't know, humans, humans in the, or I don't know, referring to the growth of the human in the womb. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think actually, yeah. I, I can actually help you out with that one. So I kind of sure. looked up like, just because again, I come from a, historically religious background so yeah i um I, I actually looked up some of the scriptural arguments so for example i think a lot of people who who argue against genetics from a religious standpoint use genesis 1 28 uh, genesis 2 15 which basically says you know human beings are only meant to so the bible says in those verses human beings are called to act as stewards who care for mm. creation as opposed mm. to people who you know have a say in what creation looks like right so the argument is you're here to protect god's creation not edit god's creation so i i i i, I read about that that's a study i found well that's one argument i found mm -hmm. and then another argument i found was psalms 139 uh, verses 13 and 15 uh, where the bible says you know you were created you know i created you um, I made mm -hmm. you when you your mother's womb, you know, you're wonderful, you're, you're wonderfully and fearfully made in my image. So the argument there then becomes, you know, if God has made you like this, why is some human being trying to change you? Right. So those are like from a very biblical, mm -hmm. like, because I, I, I completely agree. Like I wanted to understand, is this like a biblical thing or is this just people being afraid? Right. And then also right. I found a priest online who wrote a blog article about Psalm 127, where it says, you know, children are a gift from the Lord um and blessed is the person who has you know tons of them basically um and that priest was using that <laughs> basically like no i will actually says that um, and this priest was using that argument as okay so for example there was a woman who realized her child might have i think it was down syndrome or something and you know gene editing was used or something along those lines and this priest was basically writing a blog article saying you know this woman was wrong to do that because at the end of the day that child was a gift from god so i think mm -hmm. from a biblical standpoint those are some of the verses I find it very interesting that all these verses mm -hmm. are Old Testament. So mm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I didn't find anything New Testament. So I don't know what that means, you know, for mm -hmm. those um those for those who cling, because I feel like a lot of my Christian friends cling heavily to the New Testament. I feel like I should have reached mm -hmm. out to do my research on that. But from a religious standpoint, I think that's it. It's very much that thing of, you know, God has made you this way. Don't try to change mm -hmm. it, basically. Right. I mean, uh, I guess perhaps to counter that one might say that humans have for centuries been conducting some sort of genetic modification and that we can be very picky with who we choose to produce offspring with um you know rather than allowing our children to just be some sort of random chance um we're pretty we, we tend to be very selective with with whom we choose to mate and by doing that we are, uh, we're doing it because we want to have our offspring to have those, those traits that the person with whom we're mating has. Um, so I guess it's just hard to, it's a case of, you know, if we're already being very selective with what genes we choose to pass off to our offspring um, via the, the mating habits that we have as humans, how is, um, how is gene editing that's conducted by just a bit more of a more technologically advanced method that much different, um, especially in the case that we're, you know, if you're trying to prevent some sort of disease um, that could substantially shorten the lifespan of someone, how is that something that is, uh, how is that something that, that, that really poses a threat or, or, you know, I don't know how that would be seen as, as a, a nefarious act. 
Yeah, I think I think I completely agree with that. I mean, I'm just looking up like I literally just looked up like some there's this website I go to and I'm looking for like Bible verses on specific topics and I'm just seeing there's a whole bunch of like texts relating to to how the Bible actually talks about gene editing, which I think is very interesting. Uh, just because again, you know, in my research, I've reached out to people who are religious and have very strong uh, opinions on this. So uh, it's just interesting mm-hmm. to see. I think, I think here's the thing, right? I think everyone is always suspicious of new technology. And I, I, I don't think that's, I think that's rational, right? I mean, change is scary. New technology can be scary. Uh, you have every right to feel the way you feel about it. Uh, but I, I, I do think, and again, I mean, we're, talk, we're having this conversation in the middle of a pandemic right and you keep reading these reports that keep saying you know this is not going to be the last pandemic and i just mm-hmm. i find that very scary it's like what do you mean this is not the last one <laughs> there's more yeah. like who's in charge of this right so i mean and this is my very very personal opinion right so you know i'm not speaking as an expert i'm just sharing my opinion on what i've read so far is i'm all for technology that will allow us to deal with pandemics better mm-hmm. all right i'm here for anything that will improve the human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm also here for a very heavy amount of regulation, right? So Mm. somebody who is some objective party somewhere, I don't know where, has to be able to say, look, these are the rules, right? Mm -hmm. These are the things that can be done and cannot be done, unless you are actively trying to save a life, for example. You know, Mm -hmm. let's, let's have very specific, like, let the rules be very clear. Because I think also with something like this, where you know, there's room for ambiguity. It's like, uh, things could go wrong really quickly. So I, I'm very interested in this topic. Like, I just want to read so much more on it because again, I feel like everything I read keeps saying, look, this could be the cure all for all diseases or the cause of our extinction. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, (laughs) what? Uh, so I'm very, I'm very interested to see how, like what, what, what that does, like how that technology and everything evolves going forward. Um, all right, cool, cool, cool. Sam, I love you. I have a question. So, so I think like, one of the real issues in, in gene editing is is at what stage of development you choose to conduct any sort of gene editing procedure. So, I mean, adult humans have the autonomy and the understanding um, to be able to to process what what sort of cause any experiment could have to their body. Um, but but uh, you know. That, that can't be said for parents who are choosing to conduct this uh, experiment on their, um, on their sperm or egg or on embryos. So, I mean, where do you see, where do you, uh, so I, I just listened to the last episode that you had with Aishwarya um, talking yeah. about abortion. And, yeah. and this is a, another case where, where gene editing is, is a real controversial topic is in, in what cases you should be able to do this in what cases it's justifiable. Um, and I mean, where do you see the, the, the ethicality of, of conducting gene editing on, um, on unborn embryo? Yeah, I think, and again, I'm just, so just to answer your question, I'm gonna share what, again, what is my very personal opinion based on what I know and understand so far. I think, you know, in a case where it is to prevent a disease, Right. And it's to prevent something that could potentially harm the life of that child or make the life of that child more difficult. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm for relieving those pains. Right. If you can do something 
that would so for example in the case of that patient uh the, like the, the example in china where you know they were trying to create children potentially who would be less susceptible to hiv i would mm -hmm. actually be fine with that because i think at the end of the day this is a disease that has run in your family um or at least you know this is a family this is a disease you you will be exposed to because one of your parents has it so you will see it you will experience it you will you know you could potentially even live with it so in that case where the gene editing is done to potentially protect a life in the future i'm actually mm -hmm. fine with that um what i would strongly have a problem with is if you know the fetus was fine but you know there was a gene that could make the fetus i don't know more intelligent or taller or have blue eyes or something something that is more i want to say superficial if you will right mm. i i would be very against that i would be very 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 against that because i i don't think people should have a right to say you know i want my child to be 10% more intelligent or i want my child to be 5% taller or whatever the metrics would be for something like that i would be against that what i also find interesting is you know people say like what you said where you know it for for grown adults or for human beings they can sort of decide if they want to bear that those effects right what i find very interesting mm -hmm. about that is to the extent that you know what the effects are like you only know what the existing effects are i'm not sure if i'm making mm -hmm. sense right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you think you think you know what's coming but sometimes you don't right so i think even for grown like even for adults who have autonomy and who can you know speak for themselves i think again i would not recommend doing anything this drastic unless right. you were actively doing it to save your life Right. right i like for example i would not like i'm trying to lose weight right now but i would not if someone said to me well there's a gene we could give you or you know there's a gene we could enhance or whatever that would make you lose you know i don't know half your body fat i wouldn't do that because <laughs> like mm -hmm. what are you talking about like i'm not gonna do that but if someone came to me and said okay there's some gene in you that makes you more susceptible to, for example, okay, great, malaria, for example, right? Because I, again, I mm -hmm. live in Nigeria. When someone said to you, there's some gene editing that could be done on you, that would mean you never had malaria again, and potentially your kids in the future never had malaria again. I would be open to that, right? Because I, I've seen the effects of malaria. I know what it could do to a person. And mm -hmm. I would be open to that idea. But if someone came to me and said, you know, there's a gene that could make you, I don't know, speak better or be taller or your hair could grow to just be long and silky, I wouldn't do that. But I would do mm -hmm. something that, because again, I need to be able to live with whatever consequences, right? Scientists can only tell me the consequences they know of as we speak. Like things could change right. in like, I don't know, 20 years. And I don't know what that looks like. So I need to be able to live with the reason why I made the change. I don't know if that makes sense. So that, that's, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's my very personal opinion. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think that what I would add is that um, in, in many cases that we've seen so far, gene editing tends to be a zero sum game. So, you know, in this case of, for example, that doctor trying to um, prevent children from being susceptible to HIV, it could have shortened their lifespan. Um, and you know, we don't know if that's true. And even if they, you know, if they live shorter or shorter or longer lives, those are yeah. only going to be anecdotal cases. Exactly. But humans are, I mean, our organisms are closed systems. And uh, I, mean, I mean, besides what we consume, um, the food that we consume, the DNA that constitutes our body, um, really only has so much variability. Um, there's this theory called uh, antagonistic pleiotropy. And pleiotropy is referring to that ability of one gene being able to have numerous effects. And basically what it, what it uh, expresses is this issue that by trying to enhance one aspect of a human, 
you're likely going to be reducing some other sort of capability. So for example, in that issue of the, the lion, was it a lion that, that was like 300 feet tall? Uh, a wolf. <laughs> a wolf, a wolf. Like that wolf might be able to be enormous, but by, by any uh, estimation, it's probably going to live a much shorter lifespan based on yeah. what we know, between, based on what we know about the, the correlation between body mass and lifespan. Um, yeah, I see that. So yeah, so I, I guess that that's some some thought that I would like to leave this with is that um, that largely gene editing is some zero sum game. Um, yeah, there are I few think, instances. Yeah, yeah, I think that 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 is I completely agree with that, and I think the research kind of looks at that and agrees with that. All right, let's do this, Sam. Thank you so much for for being with me. Do you have any final words uh, just on the topic or on anything uh, we've discussed today? Just final words for my audience oh. to <laughs> to take it. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess the 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 words that I'd, I'd like to leave people with is that um, this is a really fascinating area of research and it's going to continue happening whether we like it or not um, and whether or not the, the large majority of people have the, the scientific literacy to be able to keep up with it. And I think that the best thing that we can do um, if we want to be good stewards of the technology is to try to understand what's happening now and what could happen in the future. So um, the best thing you can do is just to, if it's something that interests you, is just to to read up on it and, and try to learn more about it. Um, yeah. yeah, I wish I had a more profound message. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's always the best way to end. I think, I think look, this is a very, like, uh, like you said, the research is going to keep going, right? And mm. I mean, I don't expect everyone to get the book and, you know, suddenly become a professor or an expert. But I think this is something mm -hmm. everyone needs to pay attention to because, again, you know, this could save us all or kill us all. So it's <laughs> so, like, right. we should definitely know about this. All right, Sam, Sam, thank you so much for doing this. Honestly, I love you. Uh, oh, thank guys, you for hosting. For everyone listening, because we we're supposed to record this last week. But then it rained in Lagos and my internet was just not having it. So I had to drag Sam back. I thank you so much for doing this. You are the best in the world. Uh, oh, everyone, uh, we've had Sam on. Uh, by the way, if you actually want to know more, um, I'm going to publish some links um, on some of the things I've mentioned uh, for anyone who wants to know more. Um, and I'm always happy to have more conversation um, about this topic. So thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, I guess catch you on next week's episode. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Fakayo. You're welcome.